I was watching Ben Chilwell pull his hamstring and then carried the tunnel and he was practically dead. Yeah, she's twenty. I passed away. Like that, that word was used. Oh, it's, it's a tragedy. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance is just lacked that intensity. I'm just uh, going to jiggle open the kimono here and reveal exactly how this whole thing works. I'm I'm not involved in, in, the, uh, in the setting of the Gillette Labs performance rankings. So the Arsenal commenter who's already like angrily poised over your keyboard. I agree with you this time. I, I agree with you. you. You should be in them. You're not, but you should be. So. All right. Where are we so, starting? So, no, 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 no. no. Put them up. Put up the performance rankings yeah. there then. Tell me who you're getting rid of for Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal. Who are you getting rid of? Arsenal should be in the, in the green. Who are you getting rid of? Arsenal should be in the green. Come on. Who are you getting rid of? Ireland Rugby. Oh, Reece Glennon. Well done, well done winning that World Championship. Arsenal won a game. Ireland so Rugby. Well do, do you celebrate uh, the delivery of the post? I don't think you do. Where it's a home game. We're, we're, we, we win all our home games. We always do. All right, we'll no get rid of we put Arsenal in there. Yeah, okay, I don't, okay, I don't, okay, I don't mind. Yeah. I don't mind. Uh, let's start in the red. Uh, Manchester United are in the red. You can't lose to Aston Villa and not be in the red. This is Come nonsense. On. This is nonsense. Aston Villa should be in the green. Man United shouldn't even be on the thing. So why would they? What? They're not even relevant anymore. Uh, I was listening uh, to Richie yesterday give the team news uh, on off the ball and listening to Manchester United team going, ooh, ooh, really? Cristiano Ronaldo is captain. How is Cristiano Ronaldo back as Manchester United captain within a fortnight of basically refusing to come on the pitch? It seems strange, doesn't it? That whole, the handling of it now where it was like, oh, he's a genius. He's roping up everybody into being able to get rid of Ronaldo. It, unless this is the end. This is the, like, he's, look how bad this is. I have to burn bridges with him because uh, Ronaldo wasn't, the, he wasn't even the reason they lost, though. Like, it wasn't great, but... There's loads of other problems that Man United have at the moment. Well, the second you hear Donny van de Beek is in the team, you're what was that about? a little bit concerned. Like He hasn't started a game in God knows how long in the Premier League. Uh, particularly when Fred and McTominay were on the bench. And the time Casemiro and Fred played together in the middle of midfield, it seemed to go just fine. It seemed the obvious thing to do would be bring back Fred, put him in alongside Casemiro, play Christian Eriksen as the number 10 with Bruno Fernandes out injured and keep your shape and your changes to a minimum. But bring in Donny van de Beek and maybe... I don't. I think when you're Manchester United manager, it's very hard to just be trying things out. Like maybe there's a bit of, as you say, with Cristiano Ronaldo. I'm just going to keep putting them out there, and eventually everyone will realise I'm right, and this guy is not. You know, I've given I you think everybody realised that, like at the start of the season, and then continuously he has blotted his copybook to the point where you don't need to do it anymore. I thought that point was like long. Past. I, I thought, we, and then you refuse to come on the pitch, and you leave the stadium, and actually this is an easy break, and you use him in your Europa League games, and if you you know you force him to sit in the bench, and he'll next time he'll take his five minutes at the end, uh, but it doesn't feel as though he's able right now to lead a Manchester United team for ninety minutes, particularly in high intensity games away from home, where a match where Villa are really up for it. Yeah, new manager, stadium is hopping. Uh, Garnacho's thrown in there on the left hand side. Didn't really, you know. Didn't really look uh, at the level, but he's eighteen. Is it? And I was, is it fair? Is it fair to put Garnacho in in that instance when there's so many doubtful parts to the rest of the team? Like, wouldn't you be better off having the full team, or a settled team, or as experienced team, or as informer team, not Van de Beek and not Ronaldo in the team when you're trying to see is this guy any good? Well, he'd obviously seen something in the Europa League game on Thursday night that he liked and decided, you know what, I'm going to stick with this group and give them a chance to prove themselves 
in the Premier League. But like that has surely got to be it now for Donny van de Beek. How, how do you go back after that? It seems pretty much every manager since he's come to England doesn't really trust him, gives him an opportunity, and he doesn't grab it. Like maybe he's just not all that. Maybe he's just not of that standard. He did a good time at an Ajax team uh, that was well-suited to his style of football. Or also that it turns out had loads of world-class players in it. You know, he might. There might be the Phil Bab beside Paul McGrath effect in Donny Van de Beek's career, where you look back and you go, "Oh, they've all gone on to win." Turned Champions out, League turned out playing Pittsburgh. in midfield alongside Frankie Dion was you know, quite a straightforward thing. Yeah, and with like a brilliant centre back partnership in front of you and uh, very strong wingers and good strikers, like it's easy to look good in that. Oh, he never gives the ball away. Well, that's because there's always a free man. Listen, yeah, let's be honest. The reason Manchester United are in the red is because you wanted to talk Aston Villa. Well, they're pretty good, aren't they? I mean, they were pretty good. Like They got at them early. They got their goals. Luka Dean scores a free kick. Looks like he might want to play football again. Obviously made some changes. You know, McGinn isn't in the team again. Danny Ings is coming off the bench. Ashley Young is coming off the bench. Uh, is that is that the best 11? I don't know. Like, Dan Donker has not been in anybody's kind of uh, talk or selection or anything until about three, four weeks ago and then all of a sudden gets in the team and now is playing really well and... Um, Douglas Louise couldn't get in the team at the start under Stephen Gerrard and then started scoring from corners and they were like okay we're going to put you in the team but I just thought Douglas Louise was their <clears throat> was their best midfielder and now those two side by side look relatively well Dundalk are slightly behind Douglas Louise and then Jacob Ramsey I saw a heat map of him, his stuff today it's uh, wider and more forward and like Ramsey's a dynamic high intensity very talented young player who has an eye for goal like uh if a good manager comes in, suddenly you have like loads of players. Like they have a really big squad, and if Leon Bailey's going to start scoring goals, then suddenly there's less pressure on everybody else to score goals. And like I don't know, there's not a bad squad there. So what are you thinking? Tenth? I, I mean, I just want to. I, I just want to watch them play football at the moment, which is good. Which is like a massive change after the fifth or sixth game under Stevie G. You're like, oh, what's going to happen here? It's yeah. new manager bounce, isn't it? I really, I really hope Stephen Gerrard learns how to uh, get good at uh, being a football manager. And um, but I don't know, you know, it's um, it's exciting. And then he'll start signing good players because he has like good information about one of the best leagues in the world to buy good value talented footballers from. And it's pretty exciting. He's like so you're, 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 you're expecting two or three Villarreal players to come in. I, I, they go and invest again in January. I think so. Like let Coutinho go. Well, Coutinho's injured now at least in 10 weeks, it looks like, 7 to 10 weeks. So you were hoping that maybe Coutinho might play two games now and get a loan move to some needy Champions League team who were stupid. But that's unlikely to happen, uh, given the amount of money that they've invested in his wages. But like, look, they're billionaire owners. It's his money, not mine. I don't care. Fair enough. All yeah, right. I, feel, I feel pretty good. They even brought Morgan Sanson off. Um, like, Sanson's is kind of, uh, well, he could be good. We've never seen him play. No manager's ever picked him. Why is no manager picking him? Because he might not be very good. Well, he might be good if a good manager comes in. So, <clears throat> all those, uh, this is the, the bit where it's like the first flush of a relationship and you, you don't even need to eat. You're just feasting on each other's love. That's what it feels like at the wow. moment. Wow, you're not getting carried away at all. Oh, yeah, come on, let's go. You feel alive. Feel alive on a Monday morning. Why not? You enjoy it. Yeah. All right, uh, Ralph Hasenhutl. Just one second, right? The last time Villa beat. Manchester United. Yeah, everybody knows this now because it's been doing the rounds. But it was the famous day where Alan Hansen went on TV and then said, "You can't win anything with kids." 
And that was the team that then went on to win the league for Manchester United that year. But the Man United team that you couldn't win anything with kids had Roy Keane and Peter Schmeichel and uh, Steve Bruce and Brian McClare and uh, still had Ryan Giggs to come back into it, still had Eric Cantona to come back into it, still had Andy Cole to come back into it. So Alan Hansen sitting there going, no, they're not straight to death, this is ridiculous. I'm like, that's a really strong team. Is there Hansen's, Hansen, Hansen's punditry, apart from the fact that Beckham, Scholes, the two Nevilles and Nicky Butt turned out to be very good Premier League players, was also stupid. It was a stupid bit of punditry in and, in and of itself, irrespective of whether or not those players turned out to be serviceable Premier League players. It's a good clip, though. You should watch back. It is. It is. Maybe Alan Hansen was more controversial. was looking for clicks, even back then. He's getting them now. He knew. He knew. 25 but years That's on. the last time that Aston Villa beat Manchester United at Villa Park. The world is a slightly different place. You should check out the set. It's just like this blue. It's just a kind of like blue background with nothing to it. Is Laurel in with him? Uh, no, Clive Allen's in with him, actually. Oh. Yeah. And things Colin, have gone well from Clive Allen since then as well. Colin Berg's mate. Yeah. Um, let's continue with the red. Uh, Ralph Hasenhutl is still this morning the Southampton manager but for how much longer uh, The Athletic was reporting yesterday that uh, Ralph Hasenhutl is going to be sacked they just haven't decided whether they'll do it next week or this week so they may sack him before they play Liverpool at the weekend or they may just wait till that game is done give him that match and then sack him when everybody heads off to the World Cup but either way uh, he's going Fairly, he's had a good run of it he's been there for four years which in Premier League manager terms at a club like Southampton is a, is a lifetime. Uh, watched the game against Newcastle yesterday. Uh, now Newcastle were incredibly impressive again. Uh, but Southampton have had too many of these sort of performances where it's very flat at home. You could tell the supporters have lost a lot of interest. Uh, you look at that Southampton team and it feels like there's a lot of very good young players who in two or three years might all come to the fore together or might do the Southampton thing and move on to a bigger club. But it's very hard to know what their best eleven is right now. Uh, you know who's going to score them the goals. Shea Adams doesn't look like a you know, twenty goal a season striker right now, and it sort of feels like it's just run out of steam at this stage. You know he's had, as I say, four years. It's always a tough gig where you got to sell your best players, whether that's you know selling Danny Ings to Villa or Hjoiberg going off to Spurs, even someone like Matty Target going to Newcastle. Like they struggle to keep, struggle to keep their best players. Parker went to Villa as well, didn't he? He did, Went yeah. to Villa between yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Newcastle. Yeah. So when, you're, when you're losing your best players to Villa all the time, Jerry, again, it's... No, it's not, <clears throat> not a good sign. Certainly not that, that uh, version of Aston Villa. Um, so, yeah, uh, an interesting week for Ralph Hasenhutl, knowing that... Like, can you sack him if they go and beat Liverpool next weekend? No, you've got you to do it now. The one thing is um, they, they really like him. Like They've obviously trusted him for a long period of time. Mm. I, I, did, did the club change hands... Is it still the Lever family who own it, who don't really like change? No, I think there's other investors in there now as well. So, look, they've, they're nowhere near where they were for that sort of three-season spell under Poch, Koeman, even Claude Puel, where they were inside the top ten in the Premier League. It's been, you know, every season has sort of been two seasons within one, where they'll go on this run of... 12, 15 games where it'll be very impressive like at the start of last season they started the season really well and then it's a slow drift as the season goes on and that sort of continued on into this season and now when you look at Southampton you look at the team yesterday it's not a very recognisable side at all 
aside from James Ward-Prowse still been there in the middle and Shea Adams leading the line like Perot's come in Salas who's been there for a couple of years Bella Kotchap I know they were talking about start season looked like a real talent but Graeme Souness was hammering them yesterday uh, for the defending in the game uh, Gavin Bazunas had a tough old time obviously uh, conceding a lot of goals yeah. I don't know how much of it you can uh, blame him for uh, but obviously the two Irish guys that we were very excited about coming into Premier League are both conceding a hell of a lot of goals in Gavin Bazuno and Nathan Collins uh, at the moment. But maybe the managerial change at Wolves and the managerial change at Southampton will, will change things for them. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, OK, so uh, what, would you sack him? Oh yeah, I think it's done. It feels <coughs> done. It's felt done for a while. And who's going to get it? Stephen Gerrard. Not a chance. Uh, they generally have a good record of finding decent managers at Southampton. Uh, they do, and I guess that was the, uh, the, the German ownership. I, you know, they were interested in having somebody that they could speak the same language to, literally metaphorically. So it'd be interesting to see if they if they go back to the same place again. Uh, all right, what's next? Uh, in the amber, uh, Ireland A, our, the backup stars for Ireland, uh, took a heavy beating against a New Zealand fifteen at the RDS on Friday night. Uh, a lot of conversation afterwards is these guys live gone down in the way that Andy Farrell looks at them and obviously haven't done their chances of breaking through to a World Cup squad uh, any good at all a lot of it was a bit harsh and a bit of an overreaction in ways that like this was a it feels like the All Blacks are not a team you want to play in an A game like their skill set was so good like they just threw it around they played with a massive intensity and Ireland looked like a 15 who had never been on the pitch together before and had never really been on the training pitch together before they never got to the pitch of the game yeah, the only thing about that is that <clears throat> several of them had been together on the Emerging Ireland tour and, you know, some of them have been around Ireland squads and you kind of hope that there would have been some roll-on from the Ireland A experience in New Zealand when, you know, first test not so good, second test really good. So, Well, maybe that would have been the case here as well if they had another uh, couple of weeks together ahead of a, a second test. Um, I just think you look at, like, the example of Jimmy O'Brien who should have been in that team. Uh, but obviously Robbie Henshaw picks up an injury uh, then O'Brien is promoted to the bench then 25 minutes into the game he's suddenly on playing against South Africa and he's brilliant and everyone's saying well now he's shown Andy Farrell that he can be part of that World Cup squad that he can be trusted and relied upon yet if he played on Friday night I don't think Jimmy O'Brien was going to change the result of that game in any significant way so it's such a different thing coming into an A team where you've got 14 regulars are coming into a first team see they should call it a B team uh, 14 regulars alongside you and you're at the intensity of the game straight away because you have to get to it than what we saw on Friday night. And I think as well, we on the outside always look at them in certain ways and you look at the result and you look at individuals. I'm sure Andy Farrell has a different way of looking at this as to what he wanted from certain players and yeah. their ability. Uh, Did you do your job at the breakdown or was it, your, was it your fault that actually something specifically happened bad in that area? Did, did you make all those tackles? Did you fall off any of them? Like the, the individual second by second breakdown that they have of the players performance you would hope will give them some comfort in some individual cases and then in others it's like well okay you've got to go back and, and nail down a spot a starting spot in your um, club team and then mm. we'll talk to you in a year's time but and it, maybe it's not so much about damage been done it's about actually not forcing Andy Farrell's hand so if you're Jacob Stockdale and you have this wondrous performance and you continue on your good form from the start of the season he's going alright I've got to find a place for this guy in the wing against Australia in a couple of weeks time that probably didn't happen for too many of them. No, no. But you would hope now that we've beaten South Africa, that these games, the rest of these games don't really matter. Although Australia were sensational. I don't know if you saw any of the Australia-France uh, game. Australia were absolutely sensational. The try is unbelievable. But um, they were excellent in that first half. And they missed a few kicks, which would have put pressure on France, and then missed the second half. 
but uh, France only win it in, at the very end with another amazing try so um, that game should be a much better uh, game when it comes to us but uh, I guess that's the same point that I was making from a Manchester United perspective like when you're sticking the kid in uh, Garnacho against Villa is that like would it be better do you now know that he's not up to it because they got beaten 3-1 or do you think actually he's not up to it because he's playing beside Donny van de Beek yeah and do you try him again alongside Bruno Fernandes yeah. and you know you keep Rashford there and maybe Marcia returns from injury at some stage and suddenly you've got everybody you want alongside him I, I don't think they're going to be writing off Garnacho, and I don't think Andy Farrell will be writing off too many of these guys either no okay uh, alright um, uh, Colm says there were four Irish players playing the day that um, Aston Villa beat I've already told you one of them that Aston Villa beat Manchester United in 1995 name them Oof, uh, Paul McGrath Andy Townsend? Yeah. Ray Houghton? Yeah. No. No? No. No Houghton. Mm. So then the other two. I already told you one. Uh, so two in the Manchester United team. Roy Keane. Yeah. And Dennis Irwin. Dennis Irwin. That's it. I, I just The way you said it initially, it sounded like it was four, uh, four Irish players on the Villa team. No. No, Saunton was gone or wasn't... Was he already gone? 95? 96? Going back. We can look it back. Was it, that, right. it, wasn't, it wasn't that long ago, was it? Yeah. That's the point. It's 27 years. Oh, it was 90, I thought it was earlier than that. I thought it was earlier than 95. No. No. You'll win. you win. Okay. No, it's not that it is there. It's still, but not on the team on the day. Oh, he's on the team. So it's oh, five. This is a shambolic. Not on the team. This, no, no. This, is, this is like it's a like crappy mini quiz. crappy quiz. There you go. Right. What's next? Who's in the green? In the green. Uh, the real Irish rugby team. Not Ireland, eh? Uh... So yeah, beating the world champions. What do you think of that, Razzy Erasmus? Oh, stick that in your pipe. Have you seen his tweet? I have seen his tweet, yes. Such a baby. Such a big baby. Like, Uh, a historically big baby in rugby terms. I can't remember a bigger baby than Razzy Erasmus in rugby terms. And like, he's obviously a genius. He's obviously an incredible man manager. Like, really deeply understands the game. Managed to completely unify the rugby culture in South Africa like that like really quickly came in from a position where they were complete shambles walked in fixed it won a World Cup won a Lions series but has done it in such a way that everybody thinks he's a big baby maybe there's a Jose Mourinho side of a Razzie Erasmus who can come in makes an immediate impact and then actually this nonsense starts to wear thin after a while that you're in the South African squad going, listen, we got beaten fair and square. It was a cracking game. We threw absolutely everything at it. We probably tried a couple of things out that didn't really work. And listen, the big decisions even themselves out. Like Colby should be sent off. It's clear as day. He should be sent off. We get away with that one. You know, there's the kick through that he's not happy about. There was you know, questions about a forward pass. They're not happy about the try that was disallowed. All of that sort of stuff. But it evened itself out. You're in the dressing room going, just shut up. We're the world champions. We're the world champions. Why are we bitching and moaning like this? Take your beating. But no, uh, Razzy straight away had a go at Nick Amashukeli, uh, the referee, uh, and his officials. So he's obviously already been serving a ban from uh, the previous uh, video, and it seems he might be in a little bit of trouble uh, again. And uh, We shouldn't be talking about Razzy Erasmus, though. We shouldn't be talking about Razzy Erasmus. We should be talking about Andy Farrell and how good Ireland were. I thought this was great. I, I saw some of the, you know, I think Neil Francis in particular was uh, hammering the quality of the game. Uh, but it just felt like it was incredibly tight, tough, intense. Are you ever going to have a 35-34 sort of game on Saturday night? I didn't think so. 
and Ireland stood up to them. And when they lost big, important players, the guys who came on, you know, whether it's Finlay Bealham, who I know everyone in Connacht has been raving about at the start of the season, came on and really brought that form into the game. Yeah. Uh, when Ty Furlong goes off and stood up in the second half, uh, James Gibson Park, who hasn't been playing any rugby, is able to come on and you know, transform the fortunes of the team. He was sensational. Yeah, it'll never happen. But there was a case of watching it going, "Geez, actually, maybe Gibson Park for the second half of every game and uh, just upping the tempo massively." I did wonder if that was part of the thinking as well, like putting Murray in at the start because it, like, it looked like Murray had kind of slipped in the pecking order to third. But then they picked Craig Casey as captain, and so they gave him a start to see exactly how that would go on the A team. And then when Gibson Park came on, it was funny because we talked with Brian Driscoll the previous week about the Leinster-Munster game and he just had been comparing the metres made uh, by the respective scrum halves and how Leinster had had a scrum half who was willing to make a break and uh, Luke McGrath and had made like 70 odd metres but there was nothing coming from uh, from Murray and then Murray's last act the one in which he gets injured is actually a break and you're like wow this is great because all of a sudden it just transforms what South Africa are thinking they're like oh hang on you, you will do this to us and then in the second half obviously it's completely different just the speed of which uh, which Gibson Park passes the ball and the, the like even the runs that players are making off him um, that I was I was up behind I don't know the names of the, state, the stands in Lansdowne Road but I was behind no, the it's goal it's almost as if we should name the stands after some famous historical figures who've contributed an enormous amount to Irish sport what do you know the names of the stands the north stand the south stand the east stand the west stand is that it well, what's the big one behind the goal not the little one I, the, the big the big one okay I was in the big one up high and it was actually they were brilliant seats because everything happened in the second half right in front of us and um, after an Irish boot kicks the ball through in the uh, we cheated to, to score the try which I didn't know until Razzie helpfully pointed out thanks Razzie it's, normally people cheat us so we're very proud of that you know um, but what a brilliant try it was like an amazing piece of skill from Caelan Doris and then everything that happens the rest of the way through is sensational but you could actually see from where we were sitting that it's on, it's on. Once Gibson Park makes his, his break, it's such a difference. Um, it was kind of slightly lower in the ground when Michael Obafemi scored his goal uh, in the previous game. Who was that against? Um, uh, Scotland. No. In just just re- the most recent November. God, how can I not remember this thing that just happened right there? <laughs> you were commentating on it. Anyway, I was fairly similar. You could see if Obafemi just shoots and then he, he just does exactly what he's supposed to do and pings it straight in the corner. And you can see if Ireland just passed this ball properly, they've got an overlap and they're going to go in in the corner. But it's all kind of happening in slow motion even though it's happening in a million miles an hour. So they're, the Armenia. The Armenia, the Armenia game, sorry. Um, absolutely brilliant uh, seats and brilliant fan experience as well, I have to say. Because the fans have been taking it in the neck about like, oh, you're not paying any attention to what's going on. Fans don't pay attention when the game is shit. I think everybody has to like cotton on to this. When the game is good, when it's the All Blacks or when it's England or when it's nip and tuck against Wales... Fans are going to stay in their seat and they're not going to be off going to have a piss or to drink pints. But when Ireland are absolutely well, killing somebody... Well, how come everyone manages in every other sport? When Ireland are killing somebody, they're not going to go off and get drinks and have pints and go for pisses. Or when it's a massive game, when it's the All Blacks, when it's England, when it's France, when it's the Springboks, nobody during the game was getting up around us. There was no complaints, apart from maybe the music, which was so weird. But um, so explain. I was reading this online. They're pl- every time there's a break in play now, they're playing music. Well, which I presume again at the Aviva, which is the loudest sound system in the world, overpowers everything. Well, in fairness to them, they pause and they wait and see if there's going to be a song 
and then there's no song and they play music and the music was everything from Black Eyed Peas tonight's going to be a good good night oh uh, yeah uh, always a, a great song in the history of Irish sport I'm like lads I mean know a little bit of history here just know a little tiny bit of history don't play the Black Eyed Peas right Play it, well, any, maybe, maybe play Black Eyed Peas Weekend I don't know um, but they played that and they played Bruce Springsteen was the first one I was like I mean I, I know Bruce is very uh, likes Ireland because he makes lots of money here but is it is it Irish is there but, something specific why are you playing this? music anyway like the break and play is when you sit and you have a chat with the person beside you about the thing that just happened well, that caused the break and play it's rugby it takes two hours now it was two hours and three minutes oh I know it was two hours and three minutes yeah. but like so I think I, I actually don't think it's that bad an idea because it was definitely a period there was a period where uh, there was a scrum called and there were two injuries and the injuries were just taking absolutely ages and everybody was starting to have a chat and kind of going what's happening what, how do we get here again what's the what's, story what, what, what is the music doing is everyone getting on their feet singing Bruce Springsteen going yes now I'm invigorated well there was one that started a bit of karaoke which I've never forgotten that, and the people were starting to sing a little bit to it so that's what they're trying to do they want a little bit what of karaoke is this? going on like Ireland are playing South Africa the world champions and you want a little bit of karaoke yeah. And you're praising people for sitting and watching the match. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I, I'm not praising people for sitting and watching the match. I'm saying stop giving out about people going for points when the match is not in the balance. Like, stop having this expectation that people should be, like, stuck in their seat for two hours. Like, that, I thought that it was, it was crazy complaining about that last week, to be honest. So anyway, the match bad. itself, Ireland played really well. South Africa played very well. There were some mistakes. They're out half, not very good at out half, it turns out. And um, we'll get into this a bit more detail with Quinny. We might try and get some South African reaction on the show tomorrow. That's a good idea. That I've just come up with. Yeah, there you go. You can you can stick that one on the agenda. Um, and you're getting carried away, Jar. Well, I I, I getting carried away. A year think, away from the World Cup. I think we shouldn't get your lessons. Shouldn't get carried away. I think that the South African team that we face in a year's time will be different. They'll have a number ten who kicks their goals at a hundred percent more than likely. As well, opposed they don't. To, well, they probably will. They've got two other number tens, and they won't be picking uh, fifteen at ten, and they won't be picking. Uh, and 11 at 15 and so all of a sudden they'll just be a better team I'm, I'm predicting that they'll be a slightly better team I think we could be a better team too I don't think well, we're that, finished that's the, the the one thing of South Africa will be a better team like every team is going to have injuries when the World Cup comes around we don't know what position we do have a way of looking at going oh but if Sexton was injured well, like other teams will have injuries as well to key players during this yeah Sexton might be Sexton and Gibson Park might be um, very 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 important to us Ireland are a completely different team when Sexton plays so now I would actually stop playing Sexton I would stop starting you would have stopped playing Sexton three years ago well I, I, well, you have to now right you have yeah, to bring you, him off the bench you see I always think the conversation pre a run of games is well we play Sexton in the first one then obviously we rest him and then what will happen is the week of the Australia game there'll be no question that like, Sexton's going to start against Australia you would think so do you think in the long run that's the right decision? No, I don't. I, I, don't. I think it's, it's a very hard decision to drop him when he's playing as well as he is. So don't drop him. Put but him also, on the bench. Do, you, do you really learn a lot that is relevant to... Like, what does Joey Carberry do against Australia that gets him a start? Like, you're just giving him a start for the sake of giving him a start. He hasn't earned a start. He hasn't done anything near enough to get near pushing Sexton out. So he do, comes in, does grand against Australia. You start him in the Six Nations? Yeah, I ha- so you're sort of I, making him the de facto number ten, even though he's not going to be that at the World Cup. Just so he's got enough game time under his belt. So would that if he does become the number ten, which historically has happened, historically we've seen injuries to Sexton over like specifically a four or five game period. Sexton gets injured and misses a game or two, and so if those game or two happen to be a quarter final, 
then you've got nobody who has any experience. But he doesn't, lately, he doesn't. Like, Sexton, now, every uh, hit he takes feels like it's twice the ferocity of anybody else taking it. And you look at him go, he's definitely coming off now. And then two minutes later, he's running the show once again. But for Carberry, as much as it's... Like, Troy Carberry's vastly experienced. It's, what, six years since Chicago at yeah. this stage? So, you know... He has all the experience he needs in some ways. Is it not a mentality thing? And you can't change that because no matter what happens, you're the backup, Joey. So you can't give him the jersey against Australia go, go, show me that we should replace Johnny Sexton with you because no matter what he does, he's not getting that jersey off Johnny Sexton between now and the World Cup. So he needs to have a mindset actually of, I need to be able to come in at short notice and I need to be able to finish off games if Sexton goes off injured. Yeah, that, well, that's certainly one thing. But what if Sexton gets injured? Like, and then he does have to start those games. So Absolutely, like, but I don't, I don't know if there's anything that happens over the next year that changes his performance in a year's time if that happens. Um, I think that playing a, like five or six big games and starting five or six big games would be hugely important. Possibly, but... Is it, I'm looking at um, footage from the 2021 Guinness Six Nations. It says... Uh, it's in a, an empty stadium empty of Viva in 2021 is that, is, that, is that correct? yeah that'll be right yeah this year at Six Nations the crowds were back uh, Ireland played France that day right? Um, yeah. who started at number 10? Uh, oh, Ross Byrne? Billy Burns Billy Burns this can't be 2021 is it? Billy Burns good man Billy yeah. that seems like 2020 but anyway so well, no, 2020 you might remember didn't happen at all Okay. Well, they were. Remember the Italy game was the first sign that hmm, that seems a bit weird. Why, why would you call off that? Uh, anyway, look. My point is, give give somebody game time. If if it's not him, it, give Frawley three games to start with Sexton on the bench, and I don't just mean Italy, and I don't just mean Scotland. I you starting Carberry this this weekend? Uh, I guess so. Yeah, or maybe you start Frawley this weekend, and Carberry's on the bench for that, and then the last one you start Carberry. And Sexton's on the bench. Crowley? I don't think so at this stage. I think he's got to displace Carberry in Munster. I feel like we're still going to be having this exact conversation. We are, we are. Uh, just one last thing. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been making the point that if you watch NFL, you've seen Aaron Rodgers fall off a cliff and you've seen Tom Brady fall off a cliff. And yesterday, Aaron Rodgers, in the first half alone through three interceptions which is like the first time in his career that he's thrown two red zone interceptions in the same game and it was against the worst ranked defence uh, in the entire NFL and they lost a fourth game in a row and I think it's the first four game losing streak where he's been fit and starting all his games and it's like ah oh, this is his career has gone down in flames and then it was Tom Brady's turn late in the evening and what happened in the last 44 seconds with no timeouts Tom Brady beat the defending Super Bowl champions with an absolutely sensational return to form and you're like come on Tom Brady maybe Johnny Sexton can take us to the World Cup this is going to be amazing that would be almost more of a concern or as much of a concern that when Ireland get together next August and they start those warm-up games that suddenly you're like wait a second this Johnny Sexton who hasn't played for four months and has taken the summer off is now struggling to get back to where we saw him last year and that cliff edge has come and by then it's definitely too late to do anything because you still have to play him he's fit so you have to play him even if he's not playing well Uh, that's no sign of that happening Jack Cosgrove says OTB to apologise over the alleged kick clash at the Aviva I mean what was it like there? I mean, well, I know the team on this side is Ireland because it's got all the Ireland players in another team on that side. Well, they've got 
Even that's a betting. He's like the giganticest human being you've ever seen, except for his uh, second round partner, who's slightly bigger. Um, was it Lou Dieger? Is bigger, but they were big, 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 big men. Could we not just play in white? We used to have a cool white jersey. It was great. There's no such thing as a cool white jersey. There is. The Kildare jersey, the Real Madrid jersey, and the Ireland away jersey. Cool white jerseys. No, I'm not sure. Uh, now, the kick clash, watching it on TV, I thought it was difficult at times. Again, you, you know what's happening because one team attacks this way and the other team attacks this way. So it's not like quite like soccer where they're totally mixed up uh, the whole time. But it was still way too close. When the ball was over on the far side of the pitch, you're looking at that. Yeah, who, who's, who's leaping there? Is that one of... Is that, yeah. Um, like, when Josh van der Fleer try went down. By the way, Josh van der Fleer's handling in that moment of like, OK, I know exactly where my feet are. I know where the try line is. Yeah, got it down as the rest of the whole mall. It was amazing defence from South Africa. In the stadium, you, screens are very small in the stadium. Like, if you're the... If you're the, the level of moaning out of people who go to rugby matches you're the, is getting insufferable. You're the and you're the, watching the, the big screen. The giant screens like, aren't big enough for you now. They really aren't. Oh, and you had to get off your seat for your pint. No, you didn't. I, I mean... Well, you, did you get off your... Did you get pints delivered to your seat? You don't get pints delivered to your seat, no. You just bring a hip flask. It's fairly obvious. There's an obvious solution to all of these problems. Wow. Dave Cos says the overhyping of the Irish team will be terrible. Security. I mean, is, is there... Is it... Uh, okay, you, you. I, uh, in a way, I think we've gone reverse now, where every conversation, like, think of the last year, they've won a Twickenham, they've won down in New Zealand, they've just beaten the world champions. Like, you'd be, uh, it'd be acceptable to lose the run of yourself here and say Ireland are the best team in the world right now. France, France is the best team in the world. But, but they have to go beat France. Yeah. yeah. They have to go beat France. Uh, Robert Gamble says, Leeds United jersey, best white jersey in Christendom. Um, See, I don't mind a home jersey that is white, but... Any Ireland away jersey, whether it's rugby or football, that is white, I'm not getting on board with. Why? just think they, they don't like the look of them. In Italian 90? It's fine. That's great. Jer- but I think both those jerseys, the green jerseys. Is this your anti-English stuff coming in? Is, that, is this like a slight green tinge? Is that what's happening here? No, absolutely not. I just oh, okay. no, You love England. Uh, Darrow Toole says, Cardi is the next best out half. <laughs> Cardi is the next best out half after sex in Ireland, says uh, Darrow Toot. He might be, but he's not getting in, like no. so he hasn't got a sniff. Uh, Carby's more injury prone than Sexton, says Mr. Quinnis. The logic to play him over Sexton doesn't add up, in fairness. Um, he would definitely need a run of games if he doesn't get injured. Uh, Chris Cal says, Morning lads, watching the villa yesterday, weird. What a good manager can do with good players. Uh, Mark Dunning says, Not enough green to go around this weekend, but Aidan O'Brien's performance at the Breeders' Cup deserves to be in the green. Um, I hope the Jets are in the green jar. NFL great this year, says Shifty Lad. Yeah, they beat the Bills last night with a, a comeback performance where it looked like they were going to get torn apart in the first half and then were excellent afterwards. Um, and then we've got questions for Alan Quinlan coming in. We'll get to those in a moment. Who is that? Oh, one more green. One more green, yes. Uh, Reese McLennan, uh, we've got to mention. Uh, world champion, uh, Ireland's first ever world champion in gymnastics, won over the weekend in Liverpool, uh, has had a very difficult couple of years, uh, was hugely frustrated with his performance at the Olympics where he made one big mistake and that cost him a chance of a medal. You know, he went... Uh, to Tokyo with a real expectation of meddling and it didn't happen for him. Uh, he didn't take the gold at the Commonwealth Games at the European Championships and so he went into the World Championships as always with some expectation but I think probably with uh, a lot of nerves as well uh, because he hadn't been able to deliver on the big occasions recently uh, but he delivered big time over the weekend and got the World Championship Don't know if you saw his uh, interview after it was very very emotional uh, you could tell what it meant to him still just 23 as well Reese McLenaghan uh, so well done Reese. yeah there's, um, I hope this is like the bang of Park Harrington where it's like you're always not quite sure if he's going to make it to the level you think he's really going to be able to make it and then there's just this mad explosion of like no 
I made it. I can do it now. Yeah, and the great thing, uh, the great thing, but uh, the fact that the Olympics are so close together, we're now just 18 months away from Paris. It's going to come around very, very quickly. So the buzz off this and the momentum that he has should carry him through. All right. If you want to get in touch with us this morning, 087-9180-180 is the WhatsApp number. That's this week's edition of the Gillette Labs Performance Rankings. OTBAN's Performance Rankings with Gillette.